When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. From Autosport.com and Autosport Magazine, I'm Bryn Lucas, and you're listening to the Autosport Podcast. The dust has settled on qualifying ahead of the Italian Grand Prix and what a session it was, particularly if you're a Ferrari fan and a bona fide tifosi. Uh, spoiler alert, they're having a pretty good time at their home Grand Prix. Lots to get through and not a lot of time to do it, so without further delay, I'm more than just a little bit pleased to have joining me this time Autosport Grand Prix editor Alex Kalinorkas. It's just party central, Bryn. First of all, very good to have you on the podcast uh, for the first time with me. I know you were with Hayden Cobb uh, last night. Um, but yeah, it's just it's just absolutely fantastic. As I was, uh, yeah, I, I've sort of stopped on my way back to my hotel as we're going to re- record this. But the helicopters going around Monza at the moment or just, you know, flying flying overhead through the town. I don't know what's going on. There's some very important people getting out of here in a hurry. But, uh, <laughs> they, they, sh- they should stay and enjoy and enjoy the atmosphere. Yeah, the locals are... Um, Oh, it's 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 yeah, it's just it's it's joy really, and I know we're going to come on and talk to the sort of controversial moment of qualifying. Was there a chance that Science and Leclerc could potentially lose their uh, uh, good their good grid positions for tomorrow? Well, I mean, it would been a brave call from the FIA. I mean, I personally don't think it's a uh, it's as big an issue as some are making out of, simply because no one really got affected by it. But uh, but anyway, yeah, no, it's uh, it's it's good to be uh, an Italian in Monza right now. Uh, enjoy it while it lasts. I still think Max Verstappen is favourite to win tomorrow. That's a massive spoiler alert. You've jumped you've jumped the gun somewhat, Alex, but I'll let you off. I'll let you off. Now, as you mentioned there, for those who don't know, well, it's a Ferrari pole position. They're 23rd at Monza and the first time both Ferrari have been in the top three on the grid since 2018. Also, Leclerc out-qualified by a teammate at Monza for the first time in his F1 career. So let's talk, first of all, about Carlos Sainz. Celebrated his 29th birthday yesterday. The party, well, for him, hopefully will continue a, a day more or so. 
Absolutely. There was a really nice moment in the uh, in the post-qualifying press conference that I attended where uh, uh, Tom Clarkson, I'm, I'm, I'm fairly sure I'm remembering this right, but he said, like, oh, Carlos Sainz, uh, your fourth Formula One pole position. And Sainz says, no, no, number three, number three. Belgium last year doesn't count, you know, and he inherited that uh, that pole because Max Verstappen got a grid penalty. But uh, but yeah, I'm really pleased for Sainz, actually, because um, it's really interesting uh, hearing him talk uh, after taking pole because he was sort of saying, look, yeah, I'm sort of aware the first half of the season hadn't really gone to plan and I'm just targeting the second half of the year. That's when I've really got to got to come on strong. And um, and yeah, you know, he's, he's done it so far. He called his Zandvoort weekend his, his best race of the season and it, and it was a terrific drive with a very difficult Ferrari car. And he's nailed it under the, the, the fever pitch pressure of being a Ferrari driver at Monza. And I have to say it was a, it was a fantastic lap. He talked about, you know, Oh, he's been quick all through practice, second in FP1, led FP2, led FP3, but he said he still hadn't even reached the limit because it, the cars are so, they're quite light to drive here because of like the, you know, the long straights and the corner types and whatnot. And he was just like, right, you don't want to just suddenly f- try and find the limit too early because you'll be flinging it into the wall. As he, in fact, knows well from his crash here for Ferrari in 2020, I think, maybe 21. Anyway, um, but he said when it came to that final lap, Ascari, Parabolica, just go for it. He said he thought back to laps that he produced uh, earlier on in his F1 career when he raced for McLaren, when he was here for Ferrari last year. And it, and it made the difference. And actually, it, it's interesting. It's got, a, and Science said this too, it's got a very 2022 feel about it, actually. Things very nip and tuck between Red Bull and Ferrari. As I said, though, I think that only just applies for qualifying because we know the Ferrari car is very well suited to, uh, to, to qualifying and particularly at sort of low downforce requirement tracks. So, yeah. Great, great stuff from from Carlos Sainz. He's a he's a, he's a thoroughly nice guy and always explains everything very well, which we appreciate in the media. So, uh, so yeah, one to celebrate for him tonight. Yeah, exactly. If you look at his results so far this season, he's been arguably more consistent, shall we say, than Charles Leclerc, who's had a few more retirements and things like that. But so far, Carlos Sainz Jr. Really, he hasn't uh, had a podium. In fact, his last victory his only victory came at the british grand prix in 2022 his last pole was at austin in 22 he retired from that race there so it'd be great for him to kind of outgun outscore his teammate even though he is above him in the championships at this stage completely yeah i mean you know it, it, it's it's often been the case that that leclerc just had the, the bigger highs uh, of science science is, is more of a consistent performer but consistent performer but Leclerc swings here and there it's you know sometimes he's overdoing it other times he's getting it absolutely right and things like that but what's really interesting this weekend is that at no point has Leclerc been ahead until he completed his final run in Q3 which got in provisional pole position then Max Verstappen came through went just fractionally ahead and then Science came through and finally blew both of them away but Science just looked completely at home he said the car's been feeling good since FP1 I think they were confident coming here even though Zandvoort was let's face it a bit of a just because they knew the sort of low downforce uh, package that they'd got would suit them. And Max Verstappen is pretty adamant that actually the rear wing on the Ferrari car, he says he's just perfectly suited for Monza. And obviously we know enough about the Red Bull uh, rear wing with its potent uh, uh, DRS with the, with the beam wing down down below and, and how much downforce it can run there. We know that makes the difference in the race. It's not really about qualifying for Red Bull. But uh, but yeah, again, just just I'm, just I'm just really pleased for Carlos Sainz. And, and also don't forget it was his birthday yesterday. He said, you know, it's just it's just good vibes coming uh, for, for him in his camp uh, uh, right now this weekend. For his teammate then, Charlotte Clark, we mentioned him there. Was he six um, six hundredths down on 
Carlos's time. So they're, they're pretty close together. There's a big jump between third and fourth with um, Russell. George Russell was around about three tenths slower than Charles Leclerc. So if you look at the top three, there's not much between them at all. No, no, completely. And I think it's interesting, Leclerc was saying he's sort of rude not getting a slipstream uh, in his final run in Q3 because he thought it might be worth uh, a tenth, which is pretty much the gap to uh, to science. But definitely he felt that if he'd had that, he could have nipped in ahead of Max Verstappen and started second. But what's interesting is that, you know, he gave a toe to science on the first runs in Q3 and yet science it wasn't necessarily the ferraris playing the toe perfectly that made the difference because science was running behind verstappen and in fact verstappen had no toe on his first run in q3 and was still very much in the mix with them so yeah it, it, it was it was really was um uh, a well-judged lap from from science and leclerc he's just it's just not been the weekend he's just not quite got things right you know he was all the teams have been trying different wing levels trying different you know, little settings and changes around the brake ducts and the, the, sort of the aero parts there just to try and gain a little bit of an edge uh, with the long straights here but Leclerc just said what he tried yesterday completely in the wrong direction uh, just sort of pretty much said it was completely wrong I think that sort of reflected in the day that he had it was a bit sort of all over the place and well behind science and then really I can totally I can totally see the logic in in saying that you're never going to find that time back in a way. You know, I think we saw Charles Leclerc being Charles Leclerc. He pulled out a phenomenal lap right when it really, really mattered at the end of Q3. But just because things have been a bit off for him this weekend, I think that probably made the difference really more more than the slipstream as much as obviously it would have been better for him to have had it. I don't want to make this podcast entirely about Ferrari, but there's one more story looming large over this one. A lot of the conspiracy theorists out there saying, hmm, Ferrari, Monza, how come they didn't get a penalty at the end, you know, after Q3? Uh, the backstory of this is they were investigated after Q1 for exceeding the maximum time. The maximum time was put in to stop all the cars kind of just crawling around the track, wasn't it? Now, if they did exceed the time, if they did exceed the time, how come they didn't get a penalty? I know Fred Vassura said basically they didn't do anything wrong, but can you explain it better for us? Yeah, so if we, if we take Vasseur's explanation, he says it was by regulation you are allowed to exceed, as in exceed the maximum lap time uh, requirement, if you slow down to let someone go. And that's what happened. And uh, a science of the same thing. He said, you know, for me, it's safer to be over the the, the required lap time than to impede someone. And again, I, I, I can buy that. There's uh, At the time we're recording this, there's been no sort of official explanation from the FIA. They did look at it. It was deemed no further action or no real investigation warranted because Originally, it looked like sort of a post-qualifying uh, session had been, uh, uh, post-qualifying investigation would have been hanging over the Ferrari drivers. But in fact, that didn't come to pass. And like I said at the beginning of the podcast, you know, I, yeah, I don't, I really don't have any time for conspiracy theorists. But <laughs> it's, it's, it's more the case that, look, no, nobody suffered because the Ferrari drivers were a couple of seconds slower. Like, yeah, okay, it's a bit weird that so there was one thing, you know, a black and white thing put in place and then they're sort of allowed to get away with it but does it really matter not really i don't think max verstappen cares in the slightest that he's starting second i think you know his his real fear is getting through the first corners and the first lap tomorrow that's that's his key to because he knows he's, he's got the car capable of winning whether it, that would, and that would be the same case even if he started on pole and the ferrari drivers were disqualified so you know it's it's, it's one of those things where it's like yeah okay do we really need to have a big argument about it on social media I don't think so. I think it's just a, a sensible decision was reached because who wants to see 
something as amazing as that performance and Ferrari and that result here and, and, and what's happened ruined by just sort of almost bureaucracy because ultimately, you know, the only real impeding issue that I saw in qualifying was Esteban Ocon and Lando Norris right at the start. And I think Lando Norris is pretty furious about that. Ocon's a bit like, well, I don't really know what, what, what to say there. But um, but yeah, in terms of the Ferrari drivers, I think it's, uh, it's a storm in a teacup. You heard it here first. Alex uh, Kalanorkas, common sense prevailed. Well done, well done. Now, I want to dive out a little bit further afield because it would be remiss of me to mention, to not mention uh, Lewis Hamilton starting eighth whilst his teammate George Russell starts in fourth, about one and a half tenths quicker than Hamilton, who's had a bit of a um, of a dogged weekend, really. He's been a bit on and off the radio saying there's been problems with the car, which is it's fairly Hamilton-esque, isn't it, sometimes? <laughs> Yeah, sort of this, oh, I've got no grip, you know, things like that. All, all the hits that we've heard before, so talking to, to Peter Bonington, I thought it was quite funny in the press conference after Lewis had been announced as staying with Mercedes for two years. He said, that, oh, Bono's, uh, Bono's stuck with me as well, or, or Bono's stuck as well. I thought, I thought that was quite a good line there, and they're quite the partnership. But but yeah, I mean, when it comes to, to talking about Lewis Hamilton, actually, I think really you've got to say, well done to George Russell. That's more of the sort of the 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 the, the, the way to to look at it because basically went to Toto Wolff's media session after qualifying and he said, you know, look these low drag circuits, we never expected it to suit us because our package, even though they've taken uh, steps to address the problem, it's still inherently draggy. So well done to George Russell. I mean, he beat a Red Bull, you know, and, and that Red Bull is, is 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 a rocket ship in a straight line thanks to its Honda engine and thanks to its DRS. So yeah, very good from from George and and Lewis. Yeah, it's. It, it's just a. It just looks like a, a tricky weekend. I think, yeah, just not going his way. It's never really seemed uh, 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 like it would. I think yesterday was was more of an outlier than anything because he never ran the soft tires. So I don't think it's necessarily like he's he's on he's on a shocker all weekend. There were things to explain it, but it's a bit like Leclerc. If you don't get in that groove as a driver here at Monza, it can be quite tricky to reach it so uh so yeah certainly one to to reflect on for, for for lewis but obviously he's had plenty of success at this track in the past absolutely right and we shall see what happens when the race uh, starts tomorrow uh, now two more people to mention or two more teams to mention first of all I want to touch upon Williams and Alex Albon starting sixth for Williams that's his fifth Q3 appearance in the last seven Grand Prix and the best Monza start for Williams since Lance Stroll in 2017 when he was on the front row and I also want to follow this up very quickly with a stark contrast between him and Logan Sargent who was out in Q2 he starts back in 15th and remember hasn't had a contract uh, offered that we know of for 2024 yeah, it's a, it's a, it's another tricky one for Sargent, isn't it? I mean, on the one hand, you're like, well, he's a rookie. You don't necessarily expect them to be delivering the stunning performances on all the time. But then, you know, go and look at Oscar, Oscar Piastri out qualifying Lando Norris at McLaren. It it, it obviously is it is possible for a rookie to to beat a Varsi Moore and very highly rated teammate as is going on at, at McLaren. But uh, but yeah, I mean, again, let, let let's uh, let, let's talk about the the sort of the star at Williams, um, Alex Albon. Yeah, fantastic, and and backing up. Uh, that brilliant weekend in Zandvoort. You know, the, everyone was expecting Monza to suit Williams because it's, uh, it, it, it's, it's obviously it's been described as itself a rocket ship um, because of its straight line speed prowess. It's just very, very slippery. Uh, it's great here last year. Even Nick DeFries scored points. Uh, sorry, that's a bit mean about DeFries, but it's, it's factually accurate as I, as I said it. And you know, what, what a night, what a difference a year makes for Alex Albon this time last year. He's actually, I mean, being a bit flippant, I mean, he nearly died uh, after the, all the complications he had following his uh, appendicitis surgery. So, yeah fantastic for him and he's really he's really becoming a, a star i think and it's it's just it's just really nice because 
he's had a different career path to say his mate George Russell, to say Lando Norris. Like they've always been on an upward project trajectory. His has been up, down, up, down, up, down. And, you know, but for, you know, the whims of Helmut Marco, he, he might be a very successful Formula E driver. You know, he, he came very, very close. I was there at Valencia in 2019 when he basically refused to get in the Nissan uh, Edam's car because he, if he did, you know, contractual things would would kick in and eventually he was able to get out of that ended up racing in Toro Rosso and the rest is history or the rest is history until now for him in Formula One but yeah brilliant lap you know it was like oh is he is it possible that he could be amongst the front runners after he'd shone in Q1 and Q3 I mean still though sixth for for, for Williams is fantastic but um let's let, let's let's return let's sort of end the Williams uh, discussion on Sargent it's it's tricky isn't it as I said because rookies need to be given time but the problem Sargent's got is that his new his team boss James Vowles wasn't there when Sargent was selected so there's this narrative of like Sargent isn't his driver and in fact he's a driver that he dismissed from the possibility of being a Mercedes driver in the future when he was looking at you know overall arching sort of responsibility for Mercedes young driver program so it's tricky for Sargent. This needed to be this needed to be his big weekend. That's the sort of sense you get because there's very much the potential for a Williams to score points. And frankly, it would be a shock to see Albon not score tomorrow. So tough for Sargent. But if he can produce a battling drive, you know, come back through, get his first points, then that will go a long way to potentially helping his future at Williams. Yeah, absolutely. I want to finish this very, very soon because I know you've got to dash off and write some more articles and things like that. We really uh, enjoyed your company. But Liam Lawson, a quick touch on him. Liam Lawson, he starts 12th, one position behind his teammate Yuki Tsunoda, Alpha Tauri, and it's his second chance really to impress. Not many drivers get this second chance, do they, in the way he has? Oh, completely. And I think um, what's interesting is that that Alpha Tauri, you think back to the beginning of the season, that was the real backmarker car. So to be on the, the edge of Q3, for, for, for either of them at Monza, you know, well, very well done. Snowder perhaps will be feeling a little bit disappointed, but you know, you don't you don't see anyone ahead of either of them that shouldn't be there if that makes sense in terms mm. of uh, in terms of the top ten. In fact, with Lance Stroll sort of out of it in Q1, you'd say that they've done exceptionally well to get to 11th and 12th. But yeah, Lawson, you know, it's 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 uh, it's it's interesting with Lawson because there's, I think there's sort of, there's perhaps a sense coming from the Red Bull camp that maybe actually, although he stepped in at the last minute and did very well at Zandvoort, they didn't really see enough of what they sort of want out of their drivers. Um, but you've got to say, hopefully they have there because 12th at Monza, which is, as I explained earlier with everything science was talking about, it's it's very easy to get it all wrong. And he didn't get it all wrong. And he's got, he's, he's potentially got a great chance of scoring points tomorrow. So, yeah, hats off to Liam Lawson. Uh, very well done, you know, and, and and the driver who should have been driving here this weekend, Daniel Ricciardo, tremendous Monza record in the last couple of years. So, you know, <laughs> maybe, maybe there's something of the Ricciardo spirit still in that uh, still in that Alpha Tauri helping Lawson, but obviously taking nothing away from his own uh, tremendous performance today. Excellent stuff, Alex. Thank you very much indeed for your company. It's been a real pleasure. Hope we get a good race tomorrow to sort of back up an excellent qualifying session. It was interesting chatting uh, sort of on WhatsApp with uh, Kevin Turner, Autosports uh, chief editor. And it's sort of like, it's interesting. Qualifying's almost more exciting than the races at the moment. So, uh, so yeah, I'm feeling feeling good. Feeling, uh, get, getting obviously the vibes from a very happy Carlos Sainz and a jubilant Tifosi. So, uh, hope that's come through on the podcast. And uh, it's been, as I said at the start, lovely to have you on it with us. 
Well, thank you very much. So Alex is buoyant and so are we. That's it for now, but make sure you check back after what promises to be a pretty exciting Italian Grand Prix. The stage is set, at the very least. Will Ferrari take their first win at Monza since Leclerc in 2019, taking them to 20 overall? Will Max make it 10 in a row and take the outright consecutive win record? Or will something totally bizarre happen, like Lewis Hamilton climbing to the top step? We'll check back next time when we review all the action from Italy. Until then, bye for now. Podcast Network. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press one. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press two. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com right now and play over a hundred social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.